0: What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip.
1: Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling,
2: and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This
1: is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John, cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh, Uh. Hey man what's up guys this is Homicide Oh that's my homie Homicide with a big homie club Yeah that would be it Hey this is David Penzer and this is the two man power trip of wrestling My goodness! Tonga kid on top of Piper, going outside. Konga kid on the top rope. Konga kid now. Here he comes on oh, a headlock. Comes in, the ANC comes in. <laughs> Ball What <golf. laughs> a Tonga kid. Look at Piper, right? Tonga kid over at Piper. <laughs> Tonga kid and Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Unbelievable. Finally. The Tonga Kid. Look at him. Oh, that kid is ready. Boy, you were right 100%, Bruno. The Tonga Kid was ready for Roddy Piper.
3: 1,000%. Boy, was he ever ready. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today empowered powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT to start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network, where this Sunday, Extreme Rules comes to you live on the WWE Network. And for the first time in five years, Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and the Big Red Machine Kane challenge for the Tag Team Championship, reuniting once again. And that is all going down at Extreme Rules this Sunday on the WWE Network. So take advantage of our one-month free trial right now and join us for all the action this coming Sunday at Extreme Rules. And if you didn't know this by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip, the one and only John Pods. And John, we are completing yet another tag team in the annals of two-man power trip of wrestling lore as the Islanders are now complete, and we welcome in the one and only Tonga Kid. That's right, Tama from the Islanders. Also, if you remember the movie Body Slam, he was Tonga Tom. But the Tonga Kid, a very, very distinguished member of the Anowai wrestling family, joining the two-man power trip. And what a way to round out the last two weeks, where obviously last week we had on the great Haku And now we have on the Tonga Kid. And also, hey, I don't want to sell short uh, the Tonga Kid and his brother Rikishi. We had Rikishi on a few years ago. So there's another tag team that we're also rounding out. But I can't stress this enough. And if the Tonga Kid is listening to this, TK, if you hear this right now, this is my absolute favorite interview thus far in 2018. And it's not only because of the content that we get to cover but it's because of the raw emotion that takes place inside the walls of this interview. And it comes from such a special place because we talk about the Samoan dynasty. We talk about the Anawai family. We talk about the departed members. But we also talk about the, the surviving members, especially Rikishi and the Tonga Kid and all the other great family members that are still with us, thankfully. Uh, but we talk about their legacy. And it's just a small, small Part of this fantastic interview that really runs the gamut quite quickly, but still in a really effective way. And John, as I welcome you in here now, talking to TK. Obviously, you know we get to get we get to cover a lot of ground. We get to cover a lot of WWF late '80s talk with the Islanders and talking about Rowdy Roddy Piper and MSG in the uh, the mid '80s '85 '84 '85. But also talking briefly about some of the tag team action. You know, so many things that we could go down with the Tonga Kid here, but again, I'm just stressing, it's my favorite interview so far in 2018, and I'm sure it ranks up there with you as well.
2: Absolutely. Definitely one of my favorite episodes of the year, one of the best of the year. I love the fact that it does get very emotional, does get very real, because when we originally were thinking about the interview, you know, we're thinking, oh, 10, 15 minutes, is really, you know, kind of going to go by fast, it's not going to be... You know, anything of real substance. And then all of a sudden we got to talking and we started to really connect and had some great chemistry with TK. And we just uh, kind of hit it off it been an hour or so of an interview. Really, really good stuff. I love talking about the Samoans and the Tongans and their legacy. And obviously the Samoan dynasty is still going strong. And I love talking about all the members of that crew pretty cool back-to-back two weeks in a row. I love when we get to do this. I know many months ago we had the Bolsheviks back-to-back. We had Nikolai Volkov and then Boris Sukov. So I always love when the tag teams are back-to-back. So obviously last week we had Haku. This week we have Tama of the Islanders, a.k.a. Ta- uh, Tiger Kid. So I just like that aspect of it too which is really cool. Another interesting thing that came out of this interview and you read online, whether it's the Wikipedia page or some random wrestling page, random sites, they always say that Tonga kid and Rikishi are twin brothers. We just flat out ask uh, TK in the interview, are you you twins? They are not twins. So So all the wrestling sites are wrong. Wikipedia is wrong. Um, just weird that, that there's no research. You just don't ask the guys and like we did and just say, hey, you know, are you guys twins? Nope, they're not twins. So that kind of settles that. Yes, they may have twins. And uh, well, obviously, Rikishi's twins are in the WWE right now, the Usos, but they are not twin brothers. So I just thought that was another interesting little caveat, little side story, apart from just talking about the Samoans and their legacy and all the great people legendary Samoans slash Tongans that have came through in the wrestling business. Obviously, we're going to talk about the living, but then we're going to talk about some that have deceased like Yokozuna, like his brother, Umaga. And that's where a lot of the raw emotion came into play. and A lot of the raw emotion just came pouring out of TK. That's what we like to see in the interview. Somebody who's going to be real with us. Someone's going to tell us authentic stories. Someone who is... Gonna connect with us as as we're connecting with them? So that was a really, really cool part of the interview. And Chad, I don't know about you, but the Islanders, when you think about him and Haku, were one of
3: my favorite and one of the most underrated tag teams
2: of the 80s.
3: You know, and preparing for the interview and, and getting to watch some stuff to get ready for the episode and look for clips, it's hard to believe that the two of them were paired together as faces originally because... They, though Even though the Islander gimmick, you know, you think about the, uh, the guys like Jimmy Snook at that point, so over and, and so beloved, the two of them fit so much better as heels. And they really gelled so well together. And then pairing them with a guy like Bobby Heenan, who obviously became the mouthpiece for them. And it was such a great, great team that for those mid-80s WWF cards, you throw the Islanders on there. And whether they're taking on a team like the Rougeos or even when they were faces, taking on a team like Demolition. It's just so cool to see the uh, the chemistry that the team's had, but it also goes to that WWF tag team uh, roster at that point, 87, 88, and into 89, like literally on another planet, especially if you compare it to some other years in every company that you could possibly think of, just the talent that was on the WWF roster. But we talk about those dearly departed members, and like you said, Yokozuna and Eki, a.k.a. Umaga, um, such, uh a newer fan base coming in that may never learn about either one of these guys. And it's such a shame because Yokozuna, obviously he was enshrined in the WWE hall of fame, had a stretch there in the mid nineties where he was the number one heel in the WWF. And then Umaga was basically well on his way to becoming that number one heel in the WWE about 12 years later. Uh, And we had Armando Estrada, Umaga's former manager on who kind of explained why things were cut off. If you want to go back and listen to that in the archive But, like you said, TK's emotion talking about both of them, it's just, it was an absolute joy to share the stories, share some of the memories, especially the fact that uh, he was supposed to go on that last tour that uh, Yokozuna had before he passed away. And again, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's just, you look back and sure, you can question how things went down, but obviously, you know, things happen for a reason. And um, it, it was just, it was a joy, the time they got to spend together. And we were just very happy to have that shared on our airwaves with our listeners and for TK to do that. Now, John, it's a it's a habit. We have to get it. Your pick of the week, I know you may be digging a little deeper. You might be looking at some of that uh, Samoan SWAT team action. You might be looking at some of those Islander matches. But if you're going to dig into your bag of tricks, where are you sending us this week for your network recommendation?
2: I feel like I'm just going to have to go a little bit generic on the uh, wvnetwork.com slash TMPT Recommendation pick of the week just because it's just one of those legendary things when you got the Islanders and you got Bobby Heenan together. I feel like you got to watch WrestleMania 4 them against Coco and the British Bulldogs. Just a great match just to throw that out there. But I just feel like this one of those matches you got to watch because you got to see the Islanders get the victory and all their glory with Bobby the Brain Heenan. But I also want to just throw out there when you go onto WB Network and, and you're you know, just type in the Islanders. You're going to get a bunch of their great matches against the Dream Team, against the Killer Bees, uh, the Strike Force. I know you mentioned Demolition before. So it's just great when you can kind of just type in Islanders into the search bar at WB Network and get a ton of great matches. Not everybody that you type in, you're going to be like, oh, that's a stinker, that's a stinker. The Islanders had so many good under-the-radar, underrated matches that I feel like you will be highly impressed with so much of their work. But I just want to specifically say, check out WB WrestleMania Four for that match with the Islanders and Bobby the Brain against Coco and the Bulldogs. I guarantee you will love it, and you will love Bobby the Brain Heenan and all his entertaining glory. So, lastly, I just want to say, WBNetwork.com/tmpt for your network recommendation and for your free month of the WB Network.
3: So many to choose from. You got to love the time he had with Roddy Piper, which we talk about at great length. You, you got to talk about that teaming with Rikishi, his brother. And if you go back and look at some of the pictures, it is really hard to tell if they were brother, excuse me, twins or not because there's points where they look exactly alike. And I, I look to those early days of the Tonga kid where he didn't really have the facial hair grown in. And it is like a carbon copy of his brother Rikishi. Uh, without the facial hair as well. It's it's crazy to see. So it, the fact that they're not twins, that was a great myth dispelled here by TK on this episode, but it's just a small part of what we have to offer. And we want to thank TK for coming on and taking the extra time that he gave us because like John said, we weren't preparing for much. You know, sometimes we don't want to keep everybody that long, but you know, TK obliged and we took it and we definitely hit one out of the park and we would love to have him back on in the future because I'm sure we didn't even scratch the surface for what we could talk about in terms of the career of the Tonga Kid and the future of the Tonga Kid with his sons getting in the business now and starting to do their thing out there in Sacramento. So now, John, we mentioned we had on Haku last week, so if you can go back and listen to that episode, we'd love to get some feedback on it, as well as check out the episodes of the Triple Threat podcast that we've been doing as of late. We're trying to go very heavy on listener participation, so keep your eyes on the social media interwebs and look for our next poll where we're going to be looking for another topic for the Triple Threat podcast coming up here in a few weeks. And like we said at the top, the Network.com promotion with us, the t- Network.com slash TMPT, you get that one-month free trial, and you get to watch the, uh, the two-man power trip dream team, Kane and Daniel Bryan reuniting for the team hell no going after the tag team championship this Sunday at Extreme Rules. Obviously, you know who we're rooting for in that one. And that's uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, and the future mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, hopefully. The big man, the big red machine, Kane. So, John, with all that being said, why don't we do this? Let's hit it with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And let's get it on over to TK, the Tonga King.
2: Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TmpcOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former WWC World Tag Team Champion, a former WWF Superstar. You may know him as Tama, the Islander, or even the Samoan Savage, or the Tonga Kid, but we know him as T. K. Okay, part two. Enjoy. <laughs>
3: Hey, what's up, TK? Good to talk to you, man. It's a uh, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, I'm ready to go. So let's uh, let's get it rolling. All
0: right, no worries, man. Thank you, guys, man. Uh, thank you, guys, again for thinking about the Tonga Kid in Sacramento, California.
3: <laughs> How can we forget the Tonga right. Kid? So let's get it going right here, right now. Joining us on the line tonight is a man who's been known as the Tonga Kid, Tom of the Islander, and of course, one of my favorite wrestling movies of all time, Tonga Tom. He's a former WWC World Tag Team Champion, a UWA World Trios Tag Team Champion. He is a former WWF superstar. He is the one and only Tonga Kid. TK, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: So when I think about the Tonga Kid, I think about Tama from the Islanders. I think about the NOI family, and I think that's the greatest place to start. You guys have such a rich family, the NOI Fatu family. It's such... A, a dynasty in professional wrestling. And when we think of all the names and we run them through our head like a Rolodex, uh, I got to say, probably the most impressive collection of wrestling superstars that ever graced the squared circle.
0: Well, you know what? i tell you this much. You're exactly right. Everything that you said, we are all that and some. So because of the Samoan dynasty, the history that we have now, um, we are, or I could probably... We, We, we are, and is the largest wrestling family in the world. And coming back from my days when I started until now, our family is just growing and growing and growing stronger and stronger, you know, being part of the Anawai family and well as my dad's side, the Fatu family, you know, we are connected together for so many years. Now. And the good part about this interview that I'm doing with you two, Chaz and uh, uh, John, did I say it right? If I didn't, correct me. I want to just say hello to all my fans out there in the East Coast. Thank you so much, so much for supporting me throughout the years with my wrestling career with Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Superfly Jimmy Snooka, you know, just over the years of the WWF. I want to say thank you to all my fans that are listening. So, back to our Samoan dynasty, you know, when I started wrestling back in 1981, I think it was 1981, 82, um, created a big, big angle with Rowdy Roddy Piper. I just got thrown into the fire, man. You know, I was like, didn't have no idea, no clue what was going on. And all of a sudden, here I was in the ring with one of the legends himself, the Puerto Rican wrestler, Johnny Ross. I ended up wrestling him, and then that's I started my fugitive with Roddy Roddy Piper. But, you know, I want to say thank you to Hoplin Sika, uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, just a lot of big names. uh, Don Morocco, Um, I'm trying to remember some of the guys uh, that was there at the time when I was there. You guys are free to jump in and cut me off at any time. I'm trying to refresh my...
3: I'll I'll jump in. I'll refresh a little bit of memory here. The first time I remember seeing you is around 1984 in the WWF as the Tonga Kid where you came in and you kind of stepped in for the Superfly as he was uh, kind of convalescing from the infamous coconut shot. And you were the first guy to jump in there, and that was the first exposure I think a lot of fans, especially in the Northeast, got to see you and, and to have Roddy Piper be there and be another a large part of your career, obviously, when we'll get to Body Slam here in a minute. But talk about Piper, if you can, and the role he played, because obviously that was you were thrust right into a huge spot because Piper was the number one heel in the business at that point when you guys were kind of going at it.
0: Yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was. You know, at the time when Snuka took a, a step down, you know, and then I ended up taking that big role with Roddy Piper. You know, you couldn't ask for no better person or legend or wrestler to step into the ring to learn the business as it was with Piper. You know, when they say, shut up, open your ears and listen, you'll learn more, right? And that's exactly what I did at 17 years old. You know, Piper taught me a lot. He basically took me underneath his wing and told me, kid, all you have to do is listen, but first, can you throw a drop kick? Yes. Can you knee frog? Yes. Can you come off the top rope? Yes. Can you take a slam? Yes. Everything he asked me what I can do, I said yes and yes. At the same time, I was shaking and had goosebumps <laughs> on my body because this is one of the men. It's almost like to me, not that I'm knocking Hogan or anything else, but at that time, Piper and Snooker was selling out everywhere, every place. I mean, everywhere we went was jam packed. And then when I stepped into the pitcher, it was it was packed, but it was the foundation was already set through that angle with Jimmy Snooker and, and Rowdy Rowdy Piper, you know. I sort of stepped right in, right in, I guess you can say when everything
3: was already hot, you know. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time it's crazy to think that you were only 17 years old being put into that picture so literally you were the Tonga kid because you were barely you know you were barely 18 years old that's unbelievable so was that a part of the nerves that you were basically you know fresh out of uh, you know uh, being a <laughs> being able to shave actually, basically <laughs> I was actually I, I'm sorry I'm gonna cut you off because the more you talk I'll pressure my mind at the same time so if I cut
0: you off don't mop go right I'm ahead you go right ahead go and forth. we're gonna go back and forth with it I basically just came out of high school. You know, and and I was the only kid in WWF. There was no one, two, three kid. There was no other kid. It was me as a wrestler in the business at that time, coming fresh out of high school. I was the only kid. You know, my job was when I got there was my uncle, Alpha, and Sika. I was just carrying their bags, hanging around them. And I was this trouble kid out of San Francisco, California, hanging around with the wrong crowd and, and the wrong, you know, people and just getting into a lot of trouble and i'm always getting into fights and every time i get into fights i'm either getting locked up or thrown in juvenile so my mom decided to send me up there to new york city where uh was and i'll tell you what when i first seen those two guys i I thought in my mind this cannot be my mom's brothers right here (laughs) (laughs) these guys are just too ugly and too wild and too mean looking to be her brothers because my mom was a beautiful lady you know but again me being so young and looking at them they nearly shake the life out of me so i had no other choice but to obey and to listen and try to get my my myself back together at 17 and and sort of get my life back on track so i was really thankful and honored by Alpha and Chica to be to, for them to take me underneath their wing as well and coach me throughout the whole year of the wrestling cause you know, with Roddy, Roddy Piper, again, like I said, he was a legend. He knew when to shut the people up. All I had to do was listen. And that's all I did was listen to him. And then when Snooker came back into the picture, that was another legend on top of Now, keep in mind, I didn't realize how big of a star these guys were. And I'm talking about Piper, Orndalph, Hogan, all these big names, Andre Guyon. You know, I I'm, I was just a kid. I thought wrestling was just, you know, you know, just like any other job. But I didn't realize how big these names that I was hanging around with. You know what I mean? At 17. I now, mean, I don't know how old these guys. I'm assuming they were in the 30s, I guess, or 40s when I was there. So I don't really, I never questioned how old they were. I'm assuming that now, you know, God bless a lot of those guys so that I've wrestled. I can't say this. I have wrestled one of the best wrestlers, best guys, best legends in this business. That was Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Just having those two and and Appa and Seika in my corner, there's nothing can go wrong.
3: Uh, it's an unbelievable story, and also not only the fact that you did the whole buildup on television, but all the big matches took place in Madison Square Garden, so not only being that young and being thrust into that story uh, of Snuka and Piper, but now you're wrestling in Madison Square Garden, which is the mecca of professional wrestling, so I'm sure that in itself was awe-striking to you as well.
0: Oh my God, you... The rush that I had is is it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't even I don't even know the words how to say what kind of rush. I mean, out of all the buildings that I've wrestled, you got the Philadelphia Spectrum, you got Boston Garden, you got the Long Island, New Jersey, forgot the name of that building there. I mean, these are just some of the few buildings that I'm naming besides Madison Square Garden. These were legends were made. This is where legends were made. And I'm talking all the way back to Muhammad Ali and, you know, a lot of even in basketball, you know, and, and hockey and just you name every sport. It's been in Madison Square Garden. I always heard this story, you know, growing up is when you make it in the Madison Square Garden in New York City, you made it everywhere. It's the Big Apple you know, and everything. So I thought when they say the Big Apple, I'm thinking, wow, it's a big, I'm thinking everything is red. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Big Apple. But I got there, there was nothing red at all. It was 99% of it, or I could say 100% of it was all yellow. And I kept looking, There were all tax, taxi cabs. They were all yellow. And I was trying to confuse, like, why would they the Big Apple? You know, it was red, but I guess now I knew why when I got in Manchester Square Garden. So basic, that set the foundation where I am today now as you guys are talking to me as one of the best legends as a kid growing up and wrestling one of the top guys, the top heels in New York City at that time in the 1980s when I was there. So yes, I consider myself now as one of the legends of the WWE.
2: And I think that for me in particular, I really remember when you turned heel and started teaming with Haku as the Islanders. And then you obviously changed your name to Tama. But when you team up with Bobby Heenan and joined the Heenan family, that's how I remember you. I was like, man, such a great, underrated team. Not only is Haku great, you were great, but you get to be managed by the great Bobby the Brain Heenan.
0: Exactly. And see, that's another run that I had. You know, my first big run, of course, we all know it was with Robbie Roddy Piper. Then I had my second run which is back with uh, the Islanders, Tama and uh, and I, Because, you know, back then, they had, you know, to come up with that name Tonga Kid, I think you asked during the interview, uh, I sort of jumped to another subject, but I think the name Tonga Kid has came up because of the fact is there were so many uh, Islanders there at the time. I think the first one was Don Morocco uh, 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 from Hawaii, and then you had Superfly Jimmy Snuka, uh, from Fiji, and then you had the wild Samoans from um, the island of Samoa, and then there was like, in order for me at that time as the kid, we had to come up with a name. But of course, I'm from the island. My real island is American Samoa. I'm Samoan, by the way. I'm not Tongan. I'm Samoan. I just had to come up with a name to fill that spot that Jimmy Snuka had. So we asked me, I think Vince McMahon Sr., not Jr., asked me, what other island did it is in the South Pacific? And I told them Tonga, Tonga. There's a Tongan Island out there. So that's where they came up with Tonga Kid. And that's where my name popped up right there. So we went, we went, we stuck with that. Because of course I was only 17, you know? So when I had those two runs uh, with Piper, one with Piper and the Islanders, that was my another big break. And then Tama, everybody knew me as Tonga Kid, But now we're running into tag matches. There was more tag matches popping up then. So they matched me up with King Tonga, and I met King Tonga in Montreal, Canada. That's where I first met King Tonga, and I actually wrestled him. It was King Tonga versus Tonga Kid. (laughs) Try to (laughs) put that together, (laughs) you know? So it was me versus King Tonga, and that's where I met King Tonga, and then he came to New York City, and then that's when we we created the... um, uh, the Islanders, because remember, the British Bulldogs came in too at the time, right? I think we were there before they got in. And then you came in the Killer Bees, then you had uh, the Strike Force, and then, you know, there's just so many other great tag teams. The Dream Teams were there, I think it was. And Bobby and only had certain people the manager. So we were that good at what we did as the Islanders. We almost sort of stepped up to like Apple and Sikas when they were the Samoan tag teams, remember? In New York City. Oh, but yeah. we were like mostly of the fresher, we had the speed and the power. So I think the combination of me and Haku, King Tonga, was, 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 make, was meant to be at that time. And to be manager on top of that by the great Bobby Heenan, it was awesome. You know, one thing with Bobby Heenan, I can say this, he can rest in peace. Not only did he was a good talker uh, and a good manager, but he was the type of person who sort of kept everything, you know, he sort of kept them things to himself. So a lot of people ask me, how was he? Did you guys ever travel with him? Did you guys go here? No, me and Haku always rode in our own car. We never, ever traveled with Bobby to bring him in. We only see him at the building. He dresses in his room. We dress in ours. When it's time to come out, we meet him at halfway through the curtain, and we walk out, and we only see him in the ring when he's there with us. When we get back to the dressing room, we don't see him at all. That was our relationship with him. You know, he was sort of like the low-pro guy, you know, keep to himself type of guy, you know? hmm But i think tell so you this, know, but you... me, and, me, and, me and King Tonga were the same. You know, I was mostly like that funny guy, or that joking guy, and, you know, I could piss any wrestler off, and I don't have to worry about it because I got King Tonga on my side, you know? <laughs> 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 I didn't have to worry. I didn't give a shit who it was. It, it could be Hulk Hogan. i keep in mind all that shit is entertainment in the ring. But when you come out of the ring, one of the baddest ass in professional wrestling, I'm talking about a shoot, I'm talking about you name it. He'll probably probably knock some of these MMA fighters out and these USC guys out. That's how bad King Kongo was. And it was an honor for me just to be, you know, I, I usually stir a lot of shit up just to, you know, to see how really bad he was. I didn't have to do much. I didn't really have to do much. I was so happy to be on his side. I would walk around and tease wrestlers just for the hell of it, you know, because I know they, they won't even mess with me because King Tonga, I'm not saying I was a chicken shit, but I knew how to stand my ground. But just to have somebody like that behind me and somebody that loves me, and this day, King Tonga still loves me. He always called me Kid. He's never called me by my real name or my wrestling name. Every time I see him, and I talk with him, come on, kid, come on, get the bag, let's go, come on, let's go to the gym, get up, kid. He never called me any other thing but kid. You know, so he's one of the baddest guy in wrestling. In case you guys don't know, I know you guys hear a lot of story about him. Oh, ask yeah. me, I know, I know. I seen it in my own eyes in the dressing room. I see him pick Brutus the Barber Beefcake up in the dressing room because of the fact is uh, when they had the dream team. I think it was Beefcake. Uh, uh, Greg the Hammer and Johnny, I think one of their managers, the blonde-headed guy, um, uh, Johnny, Johnny Ross, is that in Valley. Yeah. So I guess Haku chopped them so hard, and I kicked them real hard. I just like picking on people because I know they're not gonna mess with me. But I didn't know King Tonga was gonna <laughs> chop them that hard. When he hmm. chops you, you can feel it in your soul. That's how hard he hits you. That's how hard King Tonga chopped you. So he went back and told Vince that. He didn't want to wrestle, it. he had to wrestle with other tag team because of the fact that we were hitting him too hard. So knowing me, I like to stir it up. And knowing me, I go, well, if you can't take a chop, then you're in the wrong business. Maybe you should find another job or something, you know. Then he didn't do it once. He did it again, and he thought it was funny. He kept doing it over. So King Tongo walked over there, grabbed him by the throat in the shower, yanked him straight up, put him right up, lift him right off the ground, like three, three four inches off the ground. Of course, all. Of course, Hogan's gonna run in there and help him because Hogan, that's his, that's his boy, right? That's like his little, you know, his little boy. They can go pick up and get his hamburgers and pick up all his clothes or whatever you want to call him. He's almost like a, you know, a butler, I guess. So of course Hogan's <laughs> gonna run over there. Well, when those guys ran over there to, to try to help Kate, I'm gonna throw this out there. There was nobody came close. Pat Patterson, this McMahon even had to come in there himself and to calm, tell Haku, take it easy. You know, even Hogan was part of that, too, to take it but trust me, if you've seen the way Haku looked in his eyes and had Beefcake lifted up, there was nobody going to come near him whatsoever, if it wasn't for me and maybe Pat Patterson, maybe. But I was like, come on, brother, you know, come on, it's all right, it's okay, it's okay. You know, he don't like, Tonga don't like people talking shit about his family, you know what I mean? But Absolutely. anyway, that's the story. and That's how the Islanders created, and we fit right in there with one of the top, you know, tag teams in the in, in the world, and even as today.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. What a what a great tag team you guys, and what a great tag team scene they had. And you throw in the Heart Foundation, Can Connection, a bunch of other teams were great. But I got to mention this because we had on Haku. We talked to him last week, and we were bringing up all these stories, and he kind of laughed, and he was being really, really humble saying, oh, I'm not that tough, oh, this guy is tough, or the Steiner brothers are tough, or whatever. So you're saying that he's just being way too humble with us, and he's not actually being truthful. Well, you know,
0: uh, over the years when changed, but in real life, what I mean by he's a badass, he's badass and, and outside the ring. I mean, he could be badass in the ring, too. He's badass, but I'm talking about a shoot. You follow me? But in Mm -hmm. the dressing room and the person that Haku is, all Island people like that. We are so humble. We are so uh, loving. We're like a loving people. You know what I mean? There's only two things that Island people like. Okay? Two things. is dancing and eating. (laughs) Those are the only (laughs) two things that we like. We like dancing and we like to eat. (laughs) You know? So... Being Haku and being myself and us, island coming from the island, Haku is a humble person. You know, that's what I mean by that. That's what I mean by how tough he is. And I mean, you guys are looking at a different, and the reason why I'm saying that part is because Haku is tough in the wrestling business and outside the wrestling. But in his heart and the person, the person that he is and the attitude that he has, he is one of the nicest persons that you'll ever meet. That's what I meant by that.
2: Absolutely. And I, I just love all the you know, all the, all the Haku stories. But I do want to briefly mention just WrestleMania four, because I think so many people love that, where the Islanders and Heenan beat uh, the strike four or beat excuse me, the British Bulldogs and Coco. Pretty uh, you know, pretty great to get that WrestleMania win. Do you remember fondly WrestleMania four and with Haku and with Bobby the brand?
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, it's funny you said WrestleMania four. I thought I was in WrestleMania 2.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I am I was in WrestleMania four, right? Oh yeah. I think the Wrestle okay, so let me refresh my mind here. So it was me, uh King Tonga, Bobby the Brain Heenan. It was in some dog outfit or something, right? Or whatever that yep. he had yep. on. And then there was Coco Beware. Right? Yep. Um, it was three it was three of us against Coco Beware and the British Bulldog, correct? Yes. Yeah, so that match and that day at and that WrestleMania again, I'm back to the crowd. I'm back to the best tag teams in the world, you know, the British Bulldog, you know, power for power, speed for speed. And Coco was great too, but he was one of the single wrestlers. Uh, he didn't really have a tag. They sort of tag him with whoever. But just being in a six-man with Bobby the Brain Heenan, you can not ask for no more other. I mean, you don't ever see me and King Tonga with any tag with with six-man tags. You know, we were going to six-man tag. That was no. I mean, that was the best thing about it is having our manager. You know, doing a six-man with us. You know, and on the other side, you got the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. And uh, the British Bulldogs are, to me, I mean, the hard Foundations are great. Uh, you had what other tag, the Dream teams? you had the Strike Board, you had the Killer Bees. But the hard Foundations and the British Bulldogs and the Islanders, those are one of the greatest matches you're ever, ever going to see in, in tag team history. You look up and go back to your homework and look at all the matches with the Islanders and the hard Foundations, the Hart Foundation with the, I mean, with the British Bulldogs, with the Islanders, and then can go vice versa. Then they can go the Hart Foundation with the British Bulldogs. I mean, these three tag teams, the Islanders, the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, were the
2: greatest tag teams in the world. Uh, amazing, amazing tag teams. But you ended up leaving basically in '88. What was the, the reason behind your exit from the WWF at that point?
0: Well, you know, that, that, you know. again, I was, still, I was still a young kid, you know, I, I made some bad choices, you know, I made some bad decisions, you know, and when you have too many people in your ear and, you know, and telling you this and telling you that, and, you know, you just, to me personally, I just thought that, you know, my job would never come to an end, you know, and um, I just sort of got big headed, you know, I was making a lot of money. And I was just, you know, I was just out there like, to me, this you know, my shit doesn't stink, you know. But I want to encourage a lot of these wrestlers. That the fact is, because I made those choices, I made those bad decisions and bad choices. Thank God that Vince McMahon still believed in me, and he continued to hire me back. I think they fired me, and they hired me back. I think they fired me again, and then they hired me back again. <laughs>
2: so I think I
0: must have left like three times. I think I was have left like three times or twice, you know, and they kept bringing me back. But, you know, that's all the glory of God because, you know, again, I was just a young kid and, you know, I didn't just hurt myself. And the most part about it, I feel why we never holded the tag team belts until this day, I think about it. And I always think about it because it was always my fault, it, you know, and I should have never, ever, ever, you know, I didn't think about my other people. I always thought about myself. And what I mean by other people, I'm talking about King Tonga. King Tonga was, you know, he didn't deserve that. You know, I just, until this day, I mean, he always forgave in me, forgive me. And he always told me, don't worry, kid, you know, it's not your fault, blah, blah. But it was my fault, you know. I always blame myself for that because, you know, with the straps were actually coming our way, you know. We were actually getting the WWE tag team belts, me and my, me and my partner. I just happened... to to make wrong choices you know wrong choices and and the company just decided to let me go hopefully they taught me a lesson and then next thing you know they hired me back i came back and sort of straightened up and then you know it's just that party life you get the party life and you get money and you know you're you're making a lot of money and you know it's just like your job you you just don't think it's going to come to an end well you know what (laughs) all things come to an end right yep very, very all true. Things come, all things come to an end except my legend. Legends don't come to an end. Legends live on forever, and I'm one of them.
2: Absolutely. And I love that not only, you know, you a huge legend, but you know, you can kind of associate with a family and, and say, you know, uh, your brother, for instance, for instance, Rikishi, who you said, you know, you guys like to dance and eat, and obviously he, you could tell he loves to dance and he loves to eat. So it's great that, you know, you both, be legends it's a stupid question here for me who is actually older you or rikishi because you always hear that you guys are twins and then you always hear that you're older he's older who is actually the older of, of the two of you
0: well you know what when i mean when people say we're twins i mean I, I actually can say that you know but in real life we're not twins but people do say we, we look alike so i guess it's sort of stuck in my head you know but if <laughs> you look at being my brother rikishi I mean, we can almost, can pass, I can almost pass for Rakishi if I would have blonde my hair or whatever, because we almost have the same build, so, right? And if you look at Rakishi, you can almost pass for me as the mm-hmm. kids, right? So even if you look at me today and I had my hair braided, you would almost think that that's who Manga came back from the dead and he's walking around again, because when I do my hair like that and I walk around, people nearly stop me at the airport and say, are you Wumanga? didn't realize Humanga died nine years ago, you know, Hmm. eight years ago. And then, so that tells you it's in the the blood in me and the Fatu family. The blood in the Fatu family, which is my dad's side, is very, very strong. You understand what I'm talking about? So my brother can pass for Humanga, and for me, I can pass for him, and I can pass for Humanga. So it all goes in circle, you know. That's why when people say, hey, you're lucky," so that's where the twins came up at. You know that's why people keep calling. You know, I think that people keep calling us because we both look alike. But on the real flip, that my brother Lakishi's is older than me.
2: Look at that! We just broke a, broke a scoop. Even if you look online, it says you guys are twins. So, ooh, we just we got a good scoop. That's good. Um, and yeah. as we as we start to wind it down here and, and start to wrap it up, I just had to know because you mentioned the Hart Foundation, you mentioned the British Bulldogs. Do you have some other kind of favorite opponents, even if it's your time in WCW or ECW or your time at zero one in Japan or AAA in Mexico. Do you have some other favorite opponents that you've been in the ring with?
0: Yeah, well, you know, and um, in uh, WCW, uh, one of my favorite opponents that I used to like to wrestle in WCW were the Road Warriors. Uh, That's when me, my brother Samu, and my brother uh, Rakishi were all six-man tags, and I had a, uh, there were, uh, one of them, well, yeah, I could say one of them was uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams. Uh, I know you guys know who that is. Uh, oh, Sting, yeah. Stinger. I know Stinger. I like to work with Stinger. These are the opponents, some of the opponents you asked me that I like to work with, right? Is that the question? Yes. And then um, Lex Luger, the Rogue Warriors, and then Doom, and the other two guys that I really really enjoy working against is the uh, the skyscrapers. Uh, it was uh, Main Mark and I think Danny uh, Danny Boy Spivey. I think is that his name? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's the skyscraper. Yeah. And you know, there's so many names. You know, uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Uh, you know, great guy to work with. The arm, uh, Armstrong uh, Brad Armstrong. You know, I, I really love working with uh, him too. I mean, the na- the list just goes on and on. You know, a lot of those guys there when we wrestled with WCW were just awesome people to work with. You know what I mean? Uh, we had the chance, the fortunate that we had the chance uh, to work with um, the Four Horsemen's. Uh, yeah, the Four Horsemen's. And uh, didn't have a chance to work with Rick Flair out there at the time we were there. It was mainly with the Four Horsemen's. Uh, that, that they were out there. And then in uh, in Japan, uh, what is the gentleman's name? I'm trying to really think about this gentleman's name that we enjoyed wrestling with him. It was me and my brother again. You know, me and my brother had been all over the place together, you know, before uh, cousin Samu came in. And then after Samu sort of fell out the picture, it was always me and my brother Rakishi. Me and him always traveled together, always wrestled. We went to Japan I just don't know the guy's name right off the top of my head in Japan. I don't know the Japanese name right now. You know, Shinya Hashimoto. Okay, there you go. That is. That's him. And I forgot the owner's name. The, the owner had a son that we worked with up there in Japan, too. Me and my brother would go to Japan. We lived in Atlanta, Georgia. I think we went there twice a year uh, and out of Atlanta. They worked for Japan. This is after we left WCW. You know? And then I moved on and went to, um, what did I end up going? Mexico, AAA, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was me, it was me and actually uh, Zuna. I think Zuna was my cousin Rodney, Yokozuna. Yes. Uh, we went out there to, uh, we worked with AAA in Mexico City and my brother Rakishi joined us later. But our favorite wrestler that I like to work with out there in uh, Mexico City was uh, the uh, the Viano brothers in Mexico City Triple AAA and then of course my big big angle that I loved that I worked with out there was Pedro Wild. That's when they called me Nico zuna. I don't know if you guys remember that if you look it up you can see it Yep. At a while. He he's almost like Hulk Hogan out there in Mexico City. Well, I take that back. He's not like Hulk Hogan. He's, he's actually higher than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he's bigger than Hulk Hogan mm. out there, mm. you know, much higher than Hulk Hogan. Trust me when I tell you, I know I've seen the people. I've seen the crowd as I had an angle because they take those masks real serious out there, you know, and they take hairs real serious. Unfortunately, I had long hair and my opponent, Fed a while, had long hair. So it was basic hair versus hair. So, whoever loses and they cut, I either cut his hair or he cuts my hair. So of course, I'm going to do the job because money talks bullshit. Walk, and they can <laughs> cut my hair because hey, hey, they can cut my hair because it'll grow back, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, in Mexico City, yeah, it was me, Yokozuna, Fedo the Viano brothers. Uh, I think, I'm not mistaken, I don't know, I think Conan was there at the time. Oh, yeah. And he was there at the time, and Ray Mysterio was there at the time. Ray Mysterio was there at the time. And these are the guys that we worked in Mexico City before they went to WCW, before they exploded. Uh, 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 Hector Coup- Hector Guerrero, not Hector, what is the name of those guys that has the mask on? I'm trying to refresh impression- it they worked out there in WCW. There's only a couple of guys that had masks on it. They were all from Mexico. I worked with those guys. They were out there in Mexico City before they went to WCW. You know? You know, and. But yeah, those are all, the, those are all, yeah, those are the guys that I worked with. And of course, Chris Manwal was there too, back in the days when I worked in Mexico. This is where I first met the Blue Blazer. But I didn't know that the Blue Blazer was Owen Hart, was Bret the Hitman's brother. You got it? That's where I first met the Blue Blazer, but the Blue Blazer was Owen Hart. You notice when he went to WWE, that was his thing, the Blue Blazer. You guys remember that, right?
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's when I met him. So he was one of my other favorites when I worked out there in Mexico with him. Now, Mexico, they have so many companies, but AAA was the company to get on to be on tv almost like new york city there's a lot of wrestlers a lot of territory but you want to get on that one big show because it's, that they have a lot of tv exposure it's almost the same as mexico mexico there's a lot of places to wrestle but there's just that one big promotion that company you want to go for to be on tv and that was triple r they call it triple r triple a triple r same thing you know oh. and i was one of the hot heels out there you
3: know? Yeah, and you know, and you and brought, then, uh, you, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just brought it back, like you said here, what you guys were doing in Mexico as a family, again, see, that's where we started off this interview talking about you guys and, and how tight-knit you were, but now you're talking different countries where you guys were able to get together, and you're, you're having all these matches, and you're having these great opponents, that's the strength of the Anawai uh, Fatu family there.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's one people that, that, that sort of got it, you know, I mean... With, with, when they say that, and you have just mentioned it and brought it up, and I really like that. You said the Anawaii family and the Fatu family. You're exactly right, because that's who we are. On my dad's side, we are the Fatus. That's my dad's last name. On my mom's side, that's her dad's last name is Anawaii. You know, and that's where Aplam Sika comes in at. So look, they don't open the doors for all of us you know, for each and every one of us, especially all their, their nephews, their kids. And like I said before, when one Samoan, when you see one Samoan, trust me, you're going to either see two or three more Samoans, you know, or two or three more on the way, or two or three more flat twos you know. So just like you said, when we went to Japan, we went to Mexico together, when Japan, we even went to Italy together. We went to Rome, when Yokozuna, when Yokozuna passed away, I was supposed to be on that same trip that he went to Italy. Oh, wow. I was supposed to be on that. Because I went with Yokozuna on the first time he went to Italy, when he left WWF, I think it was a year or two or a year and a half. And then that's when me and him first went to Italy. Some company got a hold of us, and Yoko wanted me to go with him. And I went, and I was so happy I went with him the first time and make sure that, you know, help him carry his bags and just the things my cousin needs, you know. If I gotta go do something for him, he's my cousin. I love him, you know? And I took care of my cousin wherever we go. And he took care of me. I wasn't even on the card, you know? But he he eventually got the promoter to book me on the show. And then the second round going back to Italy is when Yoko ended up going by and spoke. He couldn't get me on that that second trip, you know? Because his money was like really outrageous. It was sky high, you know what I mean? So Yoko nearly has to pay me to carry his bags,
1: you know, <laughs> on that
0: second on that second trip. But I didn't end up going for whatever I guess something. Oh, I know why it was. It was my passport that just happened to fall the weekend, and I didn't have my passport and my documentaries in order. So that's why I didn't make that second trip. But yeah, Greg the Hammer, my buddy Greg the Hammer, which is I really really love too great to have is a really nice guy. You know, you don't run into a lot of nice people in this wrestling business. You can almost say the ones that I'm telling you that I really love and I care when I tell you that is cuz I mean it. You know, I know this is an interview, but it's also a shoot interview and it's also the world to know that everything that comes out of Tony Keith's mouth is for real. There is no fake here. Wrestling's fake. I'm not fake. I'm real. So Greg the Hammer was the one that told me a lot of story about what happened out there when Yoko passed away. So, But other than that, you know, we're everywhere. So you look it up, even till today in the West Coast, I got my son, Jacob Batu, the Samoan werewolf. You can look him. I, my other son, Journey Plato, the Samoan savage. So I'm basically here in the West Coast, and we're running all over up and down the West Coast. We're booked every week we're all over. And I just go with my kids to give them that extra, you know, like protect them to make sure that promoters don't eat them and spit them out. You know, I teach them what, what other legends tech taught me, like Piper. Not only they taught me how to wrestle in the ring, not only they taught me the psychology, they also taught me how to live life even outside the ring, you know, how to become a good man and a good father and the, and and grandfather there's so much the legend that taught me i'm just spreading that disease over to my kids and that's why i run around with them you see me on the time on the facebook i'm with my boys because my kids have a lot of talent and they're great wrestlers you know journey uh fatu and jacob fatu there's a company out here that's one of the best companies that we work for out here too is abw all pro wrestling and they also have one in sacramento which is spw and they have G, G, I think, G, E, W. I mean, everything has to end with a W out here, <laughs> you know. And then there's also one out there, you know, in L.A., of course, you guys know my brother, the Samoan Dynasty owns a big center out there in uh, in Ingerwood, California, you know, Knoxville Wrestling out there. And then also here in Sacramento, which is I own another company out here in Sacramento, which is called the Samoan SWAT Team. Now, back to what you told me, we're in Mexico, we're in Japan, So, look at this. Samoan SWAT team, Knox Pro, Samoan Dynasty, all related. All different names, but we're all related. Same family.
3: See, there it is. No, that's the way it is. And you know, when you look at the family tree, and this is where we're going to get into the wrap here. And I just want to say, we usually end it by asking about the legacy uh, of the performer, but when we've talked to your brother Rikishi, and we even talked to, uh, to Matt NOI, we talked to him uh, a few years ago before he passed away. We've talked about the legacy of the family. And when you look down the family tree and you see Kokina, aka Yokozuna, and you see Matt, who was also known as Rosie in the WWE, and you even see Roman Reigns, what he's doing in the WWE now, and obviously yourself and Eddie, your brother Umaga, the, the family tree, just the, the, the children of the greats, of the Afas and the Sikas and, and the and everyone that's in your family. I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's so many of them. What is the legacy of the Anawai Fatou family when the book is closed on professional wrestling?
0: Wow. I don't even know where to start. And um, I'm actually getting emotion about this because that type of, that's a tough question, you know. I just don't know where to start, but I can, I can, I can say this. excuse me. I, there's so much that come out of this. A legacy we would like to leave behind is for the people and not only just wrestling fans, but even the wrestlers that's been around our entire family to know what type of good people that we were, you know? Our legacy will always live on and would never die because of our talent and who we are, the type of people we are, and the given people that we are. We'll give you our last shirt off our back. You don't find too many dynasties like that in this in the world the world of wrestling, you know. So that's the legacy that I would say that I'd like to leave behind. Like I said, that's just one of them. There's a lot, a lot of other things that I haven't even told you guys, but that's just one of the legacy that we would love to leave behind us is the world to know what type of good people that we are.
3: Now you guys are all unbelievable, and, and the times we've been able to interview people from your family, and you know, and not even talking about the extended family and, and mentioning you know that one guy who just dominated Hollywood and uh, and changed the game on his own, uh, Dwayne Johnson. There we didn't even mention him. But just the strength of your family. It's an absolutely amazing story. And the book isn't even close to being finished. So that legacy has a long ways to go with your sons. And also, uh, you can't forget the Usos and the WWE now. There's so many out there. So, TK, we want to thank you so much for taking the time and for speaking about everything that you had to tonight. And before we let you go, please share with all the listeners the two-man power trip where they can find anything and everything going on mm-hmm. in the world of the Tonga Kid.
0: Well, you' can always find the Tonga Kid again. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for calling me. Thank you, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, all up there in the East Coast for being with the Tonga Kid and watching me uh, throughout the years and supporting. You can always find the Tonga Kid at TK2. TK 2 uh, tk ba and you also can find the Tonga Kid on the Samoan Dynasty website. Okay, so we do a lot of fundraisers, you know, that's who we are. That's what I do anyway, a lot of fundraiser, of course, is the company as well. So anytime you want to contact the Tonga Kid to come out and speak, I'm also a motivator speaker. I mean, we do all of it. We do movies, we do commercials, we do everything. I'm working on a documentary right now, so I'm glad this is part of the documentary. It's talking to you two, the interview that I'm doing now. I put everything down what I do each day. Every day has to be a valuable day in our life. Please don't ever let a day go by and waste a day go by, you know, sleeping when you're angry or mad. Just stay joyful. Be happy like the island peoples, you know. We're always happy, like I told you. We just love to dance and eat, you know. So <laughs> if you can do those things for me in New York City and New Jersey, I think your life would change around. We might gain three, four hundred pounds, but it's okay, you're happy, you know. <laughs> but yes, yeah, you can find the Tonga Kid there. Like I said, this will be my documentary is coming out, the Tonga Kid, so Anybody that's listening, that wants to help me. I'm actually looking to try to help me write a book. So hopefully they'll contact you guys or you can contact me on TK Fatu's Facebook. And uh, hopefully we'll get a book out because, you know, every wrestler has a book out there, right?
3: Absolutely, yeah. Every one of them. They got stories I- I'm to just tell. Waiting, I'm just waiting for that. I'm
0: waiting for that right person to come by because every wrestler I talk to go, oh, I got this guy here. This guy's pretty good. This guy's pretty good. Well, I don't want that guy to write my book. He already wrote your book, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just waiting for that right person to come by, man. But thank you guys again. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to talking to you guys again. And don't be a stranger. Be free to pick up the phone and call me. Now you got my personal number.
3: <laughs> oh, you. We will. Trust me, you may regret that. But thanks, TK. We appreciate it, my friend. We will talk with you soon. All right. Thank you. God bless you guys. God bless you, New York. God bless you, New Jersey.